Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you. You know, if you're here tonight and it's your first time here, um, I know if, if I was you, I'd be a little nervous because, you know, sometimes you get into these weekday services and, you know, people say, well, we're just going to get together and worship and all that you can get a little freaked out by. It. Let me just tell you, um, everything that we do here at Crosstown tries to move you into a new environment with the Spirit of God. We don't want to duplicate any particular environment. So today we're not trying to duplicate Sunday morning. We're trying to take one step deeper in our relationship with God. So there, there will be a time where we'll have some prayer in just a little bit. Um, and yes, there, there is some subjectivity to it. We'll invite God to come into this place in each of our lives and you say, well, you know, that makes me a little nervous. That's not the kind of church I'm used to. We will continue to be governed by the authority of Scripture in everything that we do here tonight. Um, and one of the things about the authority of Scripture is that you should expect God to be here tonight. It is totally unbiblical for you to think that God does not want to move in your life tonight. So a lot of times when we come to a service like this, we, we're, we're kind of like, well, I'm a little concerned. Are they going to stay biblical? Is it going to stay? Well, th- th- what happens most of the times in most of our church experiences is that we are very unbiblical in our services because we don't expect God. So let me encourage you to just relax. Nothing weird's going to happen. Maybe something godish will very much happen, and that may be different for you, but we will allow Scripture to govern us as we take our journey closer to God. You know, we've been talking about kindness over the last year, and this um, evening kind of closes that series off. Um, and, and we've looked at kindness, kindness a lot of different ways, and I, I'm... Um, I, and we've had a lot of definitions. We've had a lot of different of our teachers here at Crosstown have come up and shared what kindness is for them and, and have done a great job and communicated kind of like a diamond, a different cut, a different facet of the same object. And kind of to resonate the beauty, the more cuts that you have, the more light can get in there and they get a prismatic type of response from it. And, and tonight will be no different that, you know, when I was thinking about kindness and I, and I, I'm in the Christmas story right now, and the reason why I'm in the Christmas story is not because there's a, there's a uh, 12-foot tree next to me. Um, the reason why I'm into the Christmas story is because it's a time for me to rediscover what God has done for me, and the beginning is a pretty good place, and, and learning about Christ all over again. And, but one of the things I've, I'm learning is that kindness makes room for others, um, that it, it, it makes room for other people in our lives. We make that decision um, to increase our spaces so that people can come to them. But you know, as I was thinking about it and over the journey of my last couple months, I've been thinking about what have I learned is that first, before we can make room for, make, um, room for others in our lives, it seems that we have to make room for kindness in our lives. Um, that there has to be spaces that are increased inside of us first before we can begin to create spaces for other people. That I, I need to think about, is there room for kindness in me? And throughout the story of Christmas, 
we get a few insights about the people that are involved. We learned about Zechariah on Sunday. You're pretty much familiar with Mary and Joseph and the main theme of characters that are involved. We learn about the shepherds. We'll learn about the magi. We learn about a lot of these different characters. Um, and, and we learn something about the spiritual devotion of them. I mean, it, it varies a little bit, but how connected they are to the, to the Israel or Jewish story and promise them. Some of them are, are, are um, deeply connected to it. Some of them are very loosely connected uh, to it. But one of the things I looked at was that each of them had to make room for the event to occur. That every one of them had to make room. Who, who is the one person that we always talk about that didn't have enough room? I mean, we always talk about the innkeeper didn't have enough room at the end. I mean, so when we talk about room in the story, we only really focus on the guy that didn't have room. But as I began to look at their different lives, all of them were required to create a space inside of them for this idea of the kindness of heaven who is kind of represented in Christ, the kindness of heaven to kind of fit into their lives. So they, they first had to create within themselves a space where kindness could live so that then they could be involved in the kindness story as it begins to spread around the world. I mean, Joseph was required to make room I mean, just think about his own personal life. Let's demythicize him. You know, we kind of create this, you know, bigger-than-life character. He had to create room of ownership. I mean, here we are having a man being, being told that, you know, you've got to give up some of your space. You've got to give up some of the space of your relationship with this young lady that you're, you're married to, that you're betrothed to. You know, you want to own and control that relationship. I'm going to need you to give up some ownership of this. I'm going to need you to give up some ownership about how the next nine months of your life are going to play out. We're going to take some trips together. There's going to be some running together. There's going to be maybe even some hiding. And, and, and you know, you're going to have to give up ownership of your business. I mean, do we ever wonder what goes on with jo Joseph's carpentry job while he's out of town? I mean, here's the thing. Most of us don't realize that it's possibly five years before Jesus, I mean, before Joseph ever gets back to Nazareth. Could your job, what would happen if you disappeared from your workplace for five years? Or let me ask you, what would happen to your company if you run your own company if all of a sudden you decided that you were going to leave it for five years? The tools all set out on the work counter. So for Joseph to get involved, in order for Joseph to have the kindness of heaven to come into his life, he had to be willing to make room. And for him, you know, and I think it's like kind of a man thing, you know, not that women don't have this, but, it, but I think we kind of see it accentuated on how men respond to this challenge, is that we don't like giving up control. But for Joseph... In order for kindness to come and be realized, he had to create room by giving up ownership. Then there's the shepherds. I mean, they have just a very brief moment. I mean, we're just told a few lines that the angels show up and sing an incredible song, and the shepherds are blown out of their minds. They're just wowed by what happens, and they just, they're there. But the thing is that we find out that they, they leave their sheep behind, that they, they rushed to Bethlehem to find this Christ child. I mean, so 
So just think about the routine. Just think about the responsibility that they have in their lives. That they've got this routine that they do every single day. They take the sheep out and the same three guys, four guys working together. Maybe a couple dogs running alongside and, and they're having the conversations about, you know, an argument one guy had with his wife and another guy over here can't get his, uh, you know, mule to do, you know, you know, it's broken down. It's got some bad carburetors or something in it and it, it just doesn't operate. And, but they got this routine that they're going through. We don't realize this. Because the story just gives us a little bit of a picture. But they had to be willing, in order to see this Christ child, they had to allow their routine to be broken. How many times in your own personal life has the routine kind of governed your next step? Well, this is what we do. This is, this is how I live my day. This is, and I can't let anything wreck that routine. And for the shepherds, I think they, in order for kindness to be manifested in them, they were challenged about making room in their routine. And then there's the magi. Um, I think the magi have a, a different kind of challenge. I think they have a challenge of the way that they're, they're thinking. Um, I mean, they're probably of Babylonian descent. They're not Jewish magi. They are, they're from a, 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 you know, an, more of an Asian-type origin than, than what the Jewish people are. Um, but yet, instead of studying the maps of what was going on with their own people, instead of being involved in the magic or astrology and slash astronomy of their own culture, it's interesting that they're willing to think about the rising of a king in Israel. I mean, what would get somebody to change the way that they're thinking? And, and for them, they had to open up the way that they thought about the cosmos, about who was in charge of the cosmos. They, had to, they, they, they looked at the stars and they began to map it out and they matched it with prophecy. And so they had to be willing to leave their land. And I think leaving their land and leaving their culture, I think is a representation of a changing of mind. It's departing from the way that we normally think about something. So in order for these individuals to be a part of the story, and the part of the story that we're talking about is to personally and intimately experience the coming of the kind one, the Christ, into their lives, they had to make room before the kindness arrived. Before they could go out and spread the message, before they could do any at random acts of kindness, as we've, we say so often in our country, they had to make space inside of them to discover the kindness. See, we, we think these people were like, kinder people. Was Mary really the best daughter of Eve ever to walk the planet? I mean, when, as a, being raised as a Catholic, one of the things that kind of sways a little bit into mythology more than having a biblical root is the high veneration and, and honor that is given to Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. They referred to her as the mother of God, and, 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 and it's like, well, why did that all happen? And, and is it really bad? Nah, you know, it's, it's confusing. Um, it's not biblical, but this idea that Mary is, you know, was greater than all women that have ever walked the earth. 
But really, was Mary greater than all? I mean, there's nothing in the Scripture that tells us that. Um, was, there, was she kinder than all the other women that were available? I mean, th- think about um, Joseph. Was he the best foster father or stepfather that, that was available? Was there something about him that was intrinsically different? Were the shepherds better than all the other shepherds? Were they kinder than all the other shepherds? The right kind of shepherds? We're the magi. I mean, I mean, we can begin to look at these people and say, well, there's something special about these people. They have something special. And I really think that the only thing that makes these people special is that they were willing to make room for kindness. And I don't think they already possessed the kindness. You know, I don't think all Christian people already possess the kindness. Each of them had to make room. Um, The shepherds' routine, Joseph's ownership, and the Magi, that the way that they were thinking, they needed something of heaven to move them to make room. See, remember, all of them would have kept on doing what they were doing unless heaven got involved. Mary would have been kept on doing what Mary was doing. Joseph would have kept on doing what Joseph was doing. The shepherds would have kept on doing what the shepherds were doing. The magi would have kept on, but they needed a God event. They needed God to intersect their lives, to create within, within them the space of the want, of this, this kind act of heaven to be discovered. I mean, they all had some supernatural experience take place. Well, you say, well, not so much the Magi. Well, no, I would say according to Romans 1, that which can be known of God is known by man. Things even in creation declare the glory of God, and they put together the signs that God had put together in the heavens where the star would arrive, and the, ro- the star would arrive over Bethlehem. I think there's a miraculous going on there. I think all of them had to be moved by something bigger than themselves in order to experience the kindness of heaven in their lives. The thing they had to do is to be willing to make room for kindness. Now, this may not be something that you like to hear, but I I think I have found this to be true, um, at least in my own life, and I think there's scripture to back it up, but I think we're all born with a measure of compassion and cunning. I, I think we all are. I think all of us can be very compassionate, and I think all of us can be um, incredibly cunning. And I would even say, but I, I didn't, but you could put in parentheses that cunning that's gone off the rails, we would call it cruel. And I, th- I think one of the most important things that we discover about ourselves is um, we all have a little bit of monster in us. I mean, I think, I think we all have a little bit of monster in us. Now, what normally happens is you come in here today and you think you're the only monster in the room. You're the only one that has the diabolical thoughts about this or about that. You know, this week I, I thought about multiple ways to kill a dog. 
And I know you're all like, oh my goodness, you could have said an, an Italian and you would have been okay. But you said dog, you know, it's like, no way. No, I mean, the, there's this dog in the neighborhood that's really bothering real bad. And I tell you what, I was thinking about it and me and Susan was like, you can't say that. You can't say that. I, she goes, you, couldn't, you can't do that. And I'm like, I know I can't do that. She goes, you, why can't you do it? And I said, because people put up cameras everywhere. That's why I can't do it. She's like, no, you can't do it because it's unethical. And I'm like, yeah, 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 right, 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 right. Forgot about that. It's unethical. But, you know, there is a little bit of compassion in all of us, and there is a, there is a little bit of cunning in all of us. Now, when I say cunning, it, it doesn't have to be incredibly evil. Um, it, it may be, it may be um, self-centeredness, that we arrange things to work for our own benefit, or, or maybe self-profiting, that we're cunning about how we do business and we're, we would, we're able to manipulate things, and, and, or maybe it's cunning for the sake of self-preservation. But we all have a little bit of this you know, compassionate side, and, and we all have a little bit of this monster side in our lives. And the sooner you discover that you have a little bit of monster side, the more you begin to realize that I need to create room within myself for something from heaven to come into me. You know, um, I, I think a lot of us think that we're, we're pretty compassionate people. Um, I, I think a lot of us are, you know, we, we, uh, we, we see ourselves as compassionate people compared to others. But I think um, when we look at the compassion part of us and we look at the cunning part of us, I, I see them kind of like equaling out and pro- producing this kind of um, resulting buoyancy level if you'll let me use that word, a buoyancy level called kindness, is that each of us has a quotient or a buoyancy of kindness based upon how much compassion operates in us and how much cunning operates in us. And if you begin to put those in place, you begin to develop how much of kindness floats in your life. How much buoyancy do you have in your life based upon that? Now, temperamentally, we can look at people and we can say, well, they have a kinder temperament. We can socially adapt ourselves to have a little bit of kindness in our lives. But I think pretty much if you take a sampling of the human experience in the human world around us, that that all of us kind of, you know, we we kind of have the same level of buoyancy when it comes to, to kindness in our lives. And that's what we have. We have slightly variations among us, but, you know, maybe that's temperament or the way that we were raised. Now, now let me just play on this word buoyancy for just a few moments as an illustration. I think you know what it all is. It's, it's kind of like when you go swimming. Now, when you swim, whatever you weigh in fresh water, you will weigh or you can subtract 2.5% of that weight because now you're in salt water. So your buoyancy level changes. So in fresh water, you're, you're kind of there and you go into salt water. Well, the amount of sink that you got into you is now about 2.5. 
percent less, uh, less weight, so you float a little better. But if you take a trip like some of you have over to the Dead Sea in Israel, there's nine times as much salt in the water as is in the ocean. As a result of it, you almost sit on top of the water. Your buoyancy level changes significantly. And when it comes to kindness, I think we all kind of float at the freshwater level. But we need something to happen in our lives that takes us beyond ordinary kindness. God doesn't want us just to be more kind than Mary Lee. You know, it's like, well, I'm a kind person because I know Mary Lee, and well, I'm a little bit kinder than her, which is probably just the opposite in this actual story. But the idea of, of being kind. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And the Israelites got most of their salt from the Dead Sea. They use an evaporation process. So when Jesus is talking about salt, he's not only talking about its preservative capability, its, its flavoring capability, but he also is talking about its buoyancy capability. And he says that when we have the salt of God's kindness in our lives, we begin to change the buoyancy around us. See, I can't lift you up unless something has already lifted me up. For me to tell you, you need to, to be more kind, you'll just sink unless I add something to your waters that changes the quotient of buoyancy in you that you can carry another person. Now, I know I took a real technical way to get here, but the idea is this is that what we need to do in order to be more kind is to make more room for kindness in us. I think in some cases, we probably need to think um, a little less high of ourselves. And that's definitely something that we find in the church. I think we need to realize that God doesn't want us just to be kind as humans do kindness. I think he wants us to be kind the way heaven does kindness. We're all humans, and we do kindness in, at freshwater level. But God says, when I say to be kind, when I said love one another, I meant love your enemies. Now, how do you do that unless your buoyancy changes? Forgive those who have trespassed against you. How do you do that? I only forgive people who say they're sorry to me or people I get even with. But Jesus says, forgive those who have trespassed against you just as you want to be forgiven. means that there's going to have to be some, something added to your life that changes your buoyancy. I don't want you just to be kind like random acts of kindness. I don't want you just to be kind like people are kind. Jesus made this statement before. He said, I, my peace I give you, not like the world gives peace I give you, but this idea of kindness is the same thing. I think God wants to change our buoyancy. I think 
I think he wants us to realize we need to make more room for him. And when we make more room for him, then the buoyancy in our life begins to change. And then when the buoyancy in my life begins to change, guess what? I can begin to lift up other people because now I'm experiencing a lifting in my own personal life. So if you're here today and you think you're a monster, if you think you're just a jerk and, I mean, you think the most horrible thoughts about yourself, I'm telling you, you're in one of the best possible places you can be because you know you need something added to your life. You know, um, one of the things I've learned over the last three months of my personal life was I discovered the monster. I really did. It's like, oh, man, you are, you know, if things don't go your way, when you're in pain, when you're, you're just, ah. And God's like, see, you're, you're a monster, Paul, without me. It's like, well, well what, will, what will make this better? Fixing my back? No, that won't do it. It's you to create some room for me to come into your life and to allow my kindness to be in you. I'm not asking you to be kinder. I'm asking you to make more room for my kindness to come into your life. Remember, this is all about getting Jesus in me. This is not me being the best version of me. The best version of me, I'm a little monster. You say, well, you're being hard on yourself. No, I'm a saved monster. I'm a child of God who understands completely what I'm capable of. I am loved of God. I am forgiven by God. But I know this, that unless I have God operating in my life, I will be no kinder tomorrow than I am today just because I decide to be kind. The earth doesn't need fresh water kindness. It needs heavenly kindness. Think of the people that are hurting next to you in your life, that you work with, the confusion, the darkness uh, that's going on in the world around us. Do you think just leveling out the buoyancy with all the other human beings is going to fix the planet? Normalizing, what do we do every time we find some crazy behavior in humanity? We normalize it. And then we normalize it again. So we get everybody floating at the same level. And then we get a little crazier and we normalize it again. And God's like, listen, I'm not looking for you to, to be a, a, a kinder human being. I'm looking for you to be somebody that will make room for the kindness of heaven to come into your life. That is what's happening in the Christmas story, is that these people were asked, hey, do you have room for heaven? And they said, yes. How about you, Joseph, you have room for heaven? Yes. Okay, Mary, you got room for heaven? She says, yes. You know, um, uh, the, the shepherds, hey, guys, I know you're busy, and I know this is what you normally do because I see you doing it all the time, but you got room for heaven in your life. And they said, oh, yes, we do. He goes to Herod, and he says, hey, Herod, you got room for, you got room for heaven in your life? And he goes, heck no. And then we're told in the scripture that he goes and he begins to kill all the newborn children in order to wipe out the coming of kindness to the earth. Mary and Joseph go and 
for the census and they go to the inn and they ask him for a place to stay and the innkeeper says, no, we do not have room here for the kindness of heaven to visit this place. Business, sorry, don't have room for you. We only have room for business. So let me ask you, are you making room for kindness in your life, because making room for kindness is, the, is first making room for more of God. That's the first thing. You know, is, is realizing I can't do this on my own. That God's not looking for Christians to be better moral humans. He's looking for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's looking for us to become new creations in Christ. That's what God is looking for. And you say, well, what about being good moral people? That's, that's great, that's, that's good fresh water stuff. But God wants to bring heaven into our lives. He wants to change our buoyancy. You know, your marriage needs better buoyancy. It needs, it needs a husband that says, God, I, I'm making room for more of heaven to be in my life so I can have more kindness towards my wife. Same for, for, for a wife. It's like, I'm, God, I need more room in my life for kindness. Instead of just like, well, you know what? I should be kinder. Dang it, I hate myself. I'm not kind. I'm not like my wife. I'm not, it's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't even go down that road. Your wife's a little monster also. My beautiful wife over there, she's got some monster in her. My beautiful daughter, she's got some monster in her. My little grandbaby, she's got some monster in her. So, but the best thing that you can discover is that you becoming a better version of you is not the solution. It's you making room for heaven in you. Man, that's where it all changes. That's what Zechariah did. That's what Joseph did. That's what Mary did. That's what the shepherds did. That's what the Magi did. They all were willing to allow heaven to input something into their lives so that heaven could be outputted in the world around them. So as we're looking at this Christmas story, just think about something that occupies your life that is taking up the place of kindness making room, maybe in your thinking, in your routine, in your ownership. Something that maybe God's asking you to let go. For me, it's not, it's the challenge of not being pain-centric, um, not to be loss-centric. I can't do that anymore. It's like, yeah, Paul, I'm can you come and, you know, give me all that and, and can you just ask me to fill that space for you? So let me encourage you. Just think about in your own personal life something that's crowding God out. You may think that you're not a very kind person. Um, let me just say, there isn't any of us here that are completely heaven kind. I mean, every one of us here, 
that there are spaces that God wants to challenge, things that he wants us to, you know, thinking, routine, ownership of life, whatever it may be that he wants us to, hey, be willing to give up so that kindness from heaven can come into our lives. And allow the Holy Spirit to just maybe put his finger on that tonight for you. And maybe you think, well, you know, this guy's all wrong. I'm a pretty kind person. I pray that tonight that God will help you discover the monster. If, you, if the Spirit doesn't help you, maybe ask your wife. She maybe can point you in the direction of where your monster lives. Maybe ask your kids. Or maybe ask your coworkers. You know, the next time you're in a conversation about somebody else, all of a sudden realize, oh, oh yeah, there's my monster. You know, but I, I don't want to break your heart with that because we all got it. But the Christmas story says that God wants to come to all of us, to the shepherds, to the magi, to the carpenter, to this young girl. I mean, he wanted to come to Herod. He wanted to come to the, the inn owner. He wants to come to all of us. He knows what we got in us, but he wants to put something better in us. He wants to put the kindness of heaven in us. Something that this earth so desperately needs. So let me encourage you, just if I could have a couple of our pastors up front, just allow as Ricky's playing, just allow this to be a moment where you talk to God. Now, you don't have to come up for this moment, but, but, maybe, but maybe for you, they just it will just help you to talk to somebody or say something to somebody or, or maybe tell somebody about your monster and have somebody remind you that, hey, I got the monster too. You say, well, Paul, I really would like a little scripture for this. Romans chapter 7. The things I should do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, I do. And the apostle cries out, O wretched man, who shall save me? For I find in my, in my body a warring against the law of my mind. I find inside myself, when I say I'm going to be more kind, I, I, just, I just can't be more kind. But then we find out that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but are filled who allow themselves to be filled, who have room for the Spirit of God to fill them with the kindness of heaven. You have to receive heaven's kindness first before you can give it to anyone else. So let me encourage you to just, you know, stay in this moment, just for a few moments, just talk to God. That means you have to get up and walk away from your spouse and, and have a really just personal conversation with God. Do it. If it would help you to pray with your spouse, we'll do it. If you need to grab a friend, do it. If you need to pray with one of these people, one of our pastors, did, then do it. If I asked you the question, if God appeared to you like 
you were one of the shepherd out in the field and told you about the Messiah being born. And they, you saw the incredible revelation of the declaration. Would you have gone to the manger? Or would, would you have stayed in your routine? I think most of you would have gone to the manger. But let me encourage you. Something greater than the manger is here. And that's the Spirit of God. Don't stay with the sheep. Let me encourage you. Break out of your routine. Break out of your comfort zone. And seek the Holy Spirit in this moment.